Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Podcast Playground. Hooray! Welcome to the Taking a Walk Podcast. Music history on foot. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Playground, or wherever you get your podcasts. Taking a Walk covers music of all genres, from new unsigned artists to long-standing Hall of Famers and everything in between. Buzz Knight is your host, and on this episode, grit and resilience are the operative words regarding our guest. John Easdale is the leader of the band Dramarama, blending a dash of hard rock wallop, alternative rock, power pop, and punk This Pasadena Records band is out with a brand new project called Color TV. Join Buzz next with John Easdale. Well, hi, John. Uh, Thanks for being on Taking a Walk, albeit uh, virtually. I wish we were together, but we can pretend. We're thousands of miles away, but we are together through the magic of technology. Well, congratulations on the now 2020 release, Color TV. After a uh, 15-year hiatus, we're going to talk about that. But do take me back to the the record store basement of Looney Tunes Records in Wayne, New Jersey. What were you listening to then, and what did you imagine that your future was going to hold? Well, you know, I grew up listening to the Beatles, and, and then, you know, well, actually, the Monkees came before the Beatles when I was really little. When I was like four years old. Their show came on the air, and I uh, and I was hooked to rock and roll. So I, I was a little too young for for the the first wave of the British invasion, and so the Monkees turned me on to rock. And then 
I caught up and, and got the Beatles and then the Stones and then the Who and the Kinks and then in the early 70s, uh, David Bowie and Mata Hoopo and T-Rex and, and stuff like that. And then punk rock, uh, you know, Sex Pistols and Clash. And then uh, by 1982, when we when we started the band, actually, the, the store opened, Looney Tunes, um, our, our, our original bass player, Chris Carter, he uh, owned the store and it was like, trying to be like a, a Manhattan uh, record store, like a Bleaker Bob's or something. And it only sold, you know, uh, imports and, and, and good, ro- you know, just rock. It was a rock and roll record store and it sold imports and, and uh, don't tell anybody, but bootlegs and, and all kinds of, you know, we were just trying to be the coolest thing in the world uh, in a town that really didn't have any use for that kind of a record store. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we were listening to all the new music that was coming over from England and, and all the cool new music that was coming out of the United States and out of Manhattan, which was about half an hour away, maybe 15 miles or something from where we grew up. What was your favorite pizza place in New Jersey, just out of curiosity? <laughs> you know, Tony's was great. And then there was there was another place called uh, Vinny's Pizzarama. There was a lot of them just just you know there were like four or five of them just in wayne but uh yeah there was a whole bunch of them you know the pizza out there is so much better than uh i'm in california now and they call it pizza but it really doesn't uh live up to the name doesn't deserve the name they should just call it piz (laughs) i don't think you could get um bad slices of pizza or full pizzas anywhere in new jersey no, not that I'm aware of, unless they have a Papa John's out there. <laughs> so what were these uh, places like Stone Pony, the Green Parrot, the Fast Lane? Uh, what were they like? What did they smell like, maybe? <laughs> you know, in, when we were first starting out, there was very, very few places for original music in New Jersey, um, it was way more about cover bands and, uh, you know, bands playing Led Zeppelin and stuff. So we, we went to, uh, we, 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 we were playing at a bunch of dives. Not that those places you mentioned were dives. Those were actually a little bit more reputable and actual had, had actual people who, who came to see what they came to see. But we played at places called like the dirt club and other places that, uh, weren't even as good as that. And by the way, a shout out to Chris Carter, who you mentioned, who does a pretty badass uh, Beatles show I uh, hear on Sirius XM. He does. He's been doing Breakfast with the Beatles here in Los Angeles for, gosh, 25 years at least. He's, he's on a, a Sunday morning show on, on, on KLOS uh, FM 95.5. And he took that show over. It's been on for a long, long time. Uh, a, a, a brilliant lady named Deirdre O'Donoghue started it. And then sadly she passed away and Chris took it over and he's been doing it ever since. And then he got picked up on Sirius and he does it on there. And he also does another show on um, little Stevens uh, channel called the British invasion. And uh, yeah, he was uh, he and I, and, and, and my friend Mark, who I known since I was two years old, started the band in the basement and, and Peter Wood played guitar and I was actually the first drummer in the band because we, we, we were just doing recordings before we played live. We were just uh, fooling around with four tracks and stuff. And then we went in the studio, same thing. I played drums, 
and uh, uh, those guys played the, the instruments. The local music scene in Jersey was so fertile. You had bands like Red House, the Smithereens, the Whirling Dervishes. Um, was it camaraderie with all these other bands, or was it raw, get-out-of-the-way competition? I think at that age, everybody's kind of like, we're the best, get-out-of-the-way kind of a thing. I mean, I've always been trying to be cordial and friendly, and I, and I certainly don't have, you know, a massive ego or whatever, but I think every band kind of just is like thinking about themselves and, and, and we're the best, you know, but, um, you know, a lot of them, I, I, I like a lot of the bands you mentioned, I didn't meet at the time. Uh, we never did share a, a stage with, with any of those bands until later. Uh, we played with the Smithereens and, and the Whirling Dervishes. In fact, when we play in New Jersey, the, the, the keyboard player from the Whirling Dervishes, his name is Billy Siegel. He, he actually sits in with us and plays with us. You shared a part of your history with a, um, a similar outcome of Mink DeVille and Jerry Lewis. Uh, this was the cult praise you received in France. Um, how did you embrace that? And didn't... Uh, the DJ from K-Rock, Rodney Bingenheimer, uh, think that the band was French? Yes. What, what happened was we were going in the studio and making our own recordings. And so first we put out a 45 all by ourselves on our own label, Question Mark Records. Then we put out a 12-inch uh, EP also on uh, Question Mark. And um, there was a French DJ. It got... It got reviewed in a, in a magazine called the trouser press and uh, a, a dj in france read the review and, and and picked up the record and he loved it and was playing it on his show and he introduced us to a french label called new rose records which was primarily releasing records by american artists uh, who weren't necessarily signed to a major label or whatever. So we got a, a deal with New Rose Records, and they put out our first album. And it was only available in America as an import. And Rodney Bingenheimer in Los Angeles uh, bought it. He just went to the store and bought it in, in Pasadena Records, uh, in Pasadena at a, um, at a store called Poobaz, and had a picture of Edie Sedgwick on the cover. And it said New Rose Records, Paris, France on the bottom. So he thought we were French. And then we found out he was playing it and we called him up and said, Hey, Rodney, we're from New Jersey. He, he, he came out to uh, visit the East coast when the monkeys were doing their first reunion in 1986. And he slept on our couch and he said, you guys should come out to Los Angeles. Now, little known to us, he wasn't, it wasn't just getting played on his Sunday night show. Um, the radio station actually added it to their playlist and it started getting a lot of phone calls and, and requests. And, uh, you know, it was on the radio every, every, it was in heavy rotation, as they say. You've had movie success with your music in a, uh, nightmare on Elm street four. Um, you've also had music in the, the Sega video game. So you were really ahead of your time in that area of, uh, kind of, branding if you will wouldn't you agree you know and it had all the wonderful things that have happened to us over the years you know aside from me writing songs and the band playing them and, and going and laying it down to tape 
all the wonderful things that have happened to us have been a result of the music and not necessarily of branding or, you know, any kind of uh, efforts behind the scenes. It's way more like people hear the music and then they want to use it. You know, Um, that's how it got in Nightmare on Elm Street. That's how a lot of our other songs have gotten in movies. It's like they find the music and then they contact us as opposed to having somebody, you know, pitching and saying, hey, you got this great new song by this band, you know, you got to put it in your movie. It it goes the other way. It's like a a director or or a musical uh, supervisor will say, I got to have that song in my in my TV show or in my movie or something. And, and, and so it's kind of backwards, but it's really nice because it, it, it's all about the music and, and not about the fashion or the style or, or the trendiness or, or, or the fad. And we're, we're, we've been very fortunate. You had a great one called Hi-Fi Sci-Fi, including some uh, backing vocal contributors like Dwight Twilley and uh, Sylvan Sylvan. Uh, and then the band broke up after that release um what did you learn from that breakup well you know we had done everything ourselves up until about our third album and then and even that we recorded ourselves but then we signed to a small label in 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 torrance called chameleon records um and that label ended up being distributed by warner brothers or warner warner music uh and we had to start dealing with with the major label thing and we weren't used to uh input from from executives so we weren't uh very um open to suggestion <laughs> we we thought we knew better than the the record company so we kind of probably were a pain in the neck to these guys and and we you know we we complained and not only did we complain privately but we also did it publicly um memorably one of our members did an interview and pretty much thought the interview was over and started talking to the journalist and telling him how terrible our label was and how terrible of a job our label was doing and that's what got published was the uh, all of us all of the gripes and uh, uh as you can imagine the label didn't uh, really appreciate that so we had a bad experience but i think it was mostly uh, our own fault and that's that had more to do with the band breakup. Also, just the fact of being together. By that point, we were we were together more than ten years, and and I think we were we were ready to take a break. We have a podcast project um, that is called Music Saved Me, and I know you've had um, trials and tribulations uh, relating to addiction. Um, can you talk about the power of music, how important it is, especially when you're going through a struggle? Well, you know, it's weird because when you're growing up, when you're little, when I, when I heard the monkeys or when I was listening to the Beatles or, or, or whoever, I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't, I wasn't drinking. I was just, uh, uh, you know, getting high on the music, if you will. And as I grew up and, and, you know, started being in bands, you know, uh, the old, uh, the, the dangerous phrase, sex and drugs and rock and roll was, was in the back of your head. And, and so they kind of went hand in hand. And at some point the drugs anyway, really took over and, and, and when it was time 
to give that up and and you know uh rock and roll did save me because i still had that and i and i remembered you know you know what you don't need drugs or you don't need to be drunk you don't need to alter your conscious consciousness because um you know what the music alters your consciousness the, the music lifts you up and, and the music you know it's the music that that that, that is, is is the strength and in a lot of ways music is is my higher power when it comes to that and uh yeah music is miraculous it's the only thing i think we still have as humans to touch with that's magical you know it, it really can lift your spirits you know what what's that old old phrase that has charms that that soothes the savage breast it does it, it, it can make you happy if you're in a good mood it can lift you even higher and if you're in a bad mood it can lift you out of that and uh yeah no it it, it is uh it is a bomb on the soul we share a mutual friend named rich russo <laughs> who um uses your song anything anything as part of his uh his show his theme uh rich is such a great guy and such a great uh musicologist really um how did you first encounter rich he decided to name his show anything anything and that's how i first became aware of mr rich um i'm happy to say that he and i are now friends more than you know it has nothing you know, it started as a, a professional uh, relationship, but but it's blossomed into a, a, a true friendship. And you know, I'm I, I will say that I have a lot of friends that I've made over the years in, in show business, in, in the music business, and which is uncommon because there's a lot of you know guys that you you wouldn't you know ever want to speak to uh, except for that the the business relationship. But but Rich and I are really really close. He's a, a wonderful DJ. He, he plays, you know, the, the greatest music. Uh, goes all, he's, he's all over the place. Uh, eclectic is, uh, if you look in the dictionary, there's a picture of Rich under Eclectic because he plays everything. Um, if you've ever seen his collection, you would be flabbergasted because it's just incredible. Um, he, 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 he's the kind of guy who will pick me up and dr- take me to the airport when I'm back east. He's given us so many opportunities over the years. When the band got back together, and um, and he, when we played back east, uh, he would like be a, be our host and and sponsor the shows. And he's just been a great friend to the band, but he's also just a great friend, and and I love that guy. He's got a great head of hair too. I gotta say that that I I envy that, and and. Uh, I, 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 that's why I wear a cowboy hat because I prefer it to a, a toupee or a weave. But uh, no, yeah, he looks good. He's a, he's a good-looking fella. I want to thank you for uh, on Color TV turning me on to uh, the song "Abandoned Love," which I did not know as a Bob Dylan fan. You do a tremendous cover of that. Uh, how did you find that tune? You know, there's a. There's a tape recording of him doing it at a club in New York back in the in between Blood on the Tracks and, and Desire when 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 Bob went back to Manhattan and was like going to the folk clubs again. He got up and played that song one night and I heard a recording of that. Now after that, 
uh, it was like a bootleg thing. Uh, somebody had a tape recorder in the club and they, they recorded him when, when he, when he sang it. Now, after that, apparently he went in and tried to do a version of it, a recording of it, which it has a, a lot of different lyrics than the, than the version I first heard the bootleg version. Um, well, not a lot, but a few, there is a, um, there is a, it's, it's on one of his bootleg series, the studio version that he did record, but, but it has, it's slightly different lyrics. And then I think George Harrison even did a version that's uh, like an outtake. I don't know if it's ever been commercially released, but you can find that as well. Um, yeah, it's an amazing song. And, you know, through the years, we've always tried to do songs, uh, covers versions of songs that weren't the most well-known by, you know, well-known artists perhaps, but not their most well-known song. Try to find something a little bit more obscure. So what's your uh, creative process in terms of writing new stuff? Uh, it's uh, 99% inspiration, 1% perspiration. <laughs> it just, uh, it comes to me. Like, uh, I turn off the, the radio and I listen to the radio in my head and it just, it really is. It's, 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 it's all comes from, from outer space. I don't know. It comes from heaven. I, I, I really... I couldn't tell you how it happens. It just does. And, and I'm, I'm very fortunate that that's the way it goes. Because when I do try to write a song, it, I'm not usually happy with the result. Well, I know you're playing out live, and I know you're playing out live really tremendously. My friend Elliot Kendall just saw you uh, a week or two ago and uh, told me how great it was. Um, what's the joy of playing live, uh, especially after COVID kind of shut that down? I, I have to say that as the years have gone by, I, I, I'm even get more pleasure out of, out of performing. Uh, at some point, 20 some odd years ago, someone said, well, you're an entertainer. And I was like, wow, I was blown away. I was, knock me down because i never thought of myself in those terms and i never thought of people coming and buying tickets and coming to see me i, I just i i i had a, a much larger ego when i was a younger man and and especially when i was drinking and and and, and doing drugs and you know um i didn't care about anything but me it was all about me and, and about how i felt and, and if i felt like getting up there half half cocked and half assed and half in the bag or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's what you got, you know? And now when I get up there, I, I think, you know, I, I know that people have come to see me and, and, and they, they bought tickets and, and, and I owe them the very best that I can do. And, and I have 10 times more fun than I ever did before. Uh, after COVID, we've been really busy. We were, you know, we had to take a few years off. We, we put out color TV, like, a month in may you know the, the the shutdown was march the album came out may 1st so we weren't able to go out and promote and 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 you know play the album live for a while and it wasn't until almost uh, well we started doing some stuff late in 21 and then 2022 i think was our busiest year ever at least since we got back together in 2003 um we we did all kinds of things we traveled all over and it's just wonderful we're it is wonderful that we're still doing this 41 years after starting the band and that we still get up and have a great time and try to, you know, 
rock hard and, 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 and people are having fun. People show up and it's, we're the lucky, I'm the luckiest man in the world. Well, I'm pretty lucky because the, the Taking a Walk podcast uh, reconnects me with folks and it connects me with uh, new folks, allows me to have music discovery. And uh, I so love discovering uh, Dramarama and John Easdale. And I thank you for uh, sharing on Taking a Walk. Oh, pleasure is entirely mine. Thank you so much for having me on, Buzz. Uh, thank you. Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star starting May 15th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.